We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and I thank you very much for tuning in or listening to the podcast. And yes, it is an option to listen to KMOX as a podcast. Every show is turned into a podcast. So I want to encourage you to download the radio.com app. It's a, it's a blue logo in your app uh, you know, store wherever you buy your apps or get your apps because this one is actually free. But it's a blue logo with a big R on it. And you download that, and you can turn in uh, any show into a podcast it's fantastic plus the radio rewind button so if you're like oh i missed the bow show yeah that, that, nobody said that but if somebody said i missed the bow show uh you can you know by a half hour you can go to the radio.com app and hit the rewind button up to 24 hours of programming so dad if you're listening you can rewind to the beginning of my show anyway uh boy what a week it has been a crazy week we've got the dnc behind us we've got the rnc behind us us, and we will talk more about that as we get in uh, more to this program. But I want to tell you what I did last weekend. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't here on the weekend, uh, but that's because I took a trip. Now the last trip I went on was to Las Vegas right before the coronavirus shutdown of the country. You know, flights were minimal to non-existent. Uh, but just a week before, we were in Las Vegas, and, you know, it was pretty quiet out there. There wasn't any conventions going on. And it was odd because we saw a few people wearing masks, which I would think that if you were there a year ago, you'd probably see the about same number of people wearing masks. And my wife noticed that a lot of these masks were more fashionable sequined or uh, bedazzled, if you will. And that was our Vegas uh, trip back in February, just before the country uh, went into isolation mode. Well, this past weekend, there was an event going on in uh, hometown of uh, uh, Minneapolis. I I grew up in uh, Minneapolis and then to the south of that, Rochester, Minnesota. My mom's side of the family is is all over the Minnesota area. And the thing is, I didn't want to miss this event. This event was for a 50th wedding anniversary. And we just don't see numbers like that, right? My wife and I are approaching our 20th wedding anniversary here in about a year and a half, and that's a pretty pretty big milestone. But 50 years, our family has been uh, very blessed with many couples lasting 50, even 60 years. It was fantastic, but it was a trip that I did not want to miss out on. 
And even though uh, I had talked to some people uh, that had traveled, one uh, one friend went to Florida with some friends. They flew, and it was a great experience. Hardly anybody on the plane, half the people at the airport. Um, and so it wasn't like normal busy on the plane or the airport. And then I talked to another friend that went out to Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, no problem traveling. Yes, you do have to wear your mask. And so my wife and I planned uh, to fly up to Minneapolis, which it's a very short trip. But then she had a, a sinus infection uh, start up. And just a couple of days before our trip was to begin to go celebrate this 50th wedding anniversary, my wife, uh, you know, suffering from a sinus infection, I get an email from Southwest Airlines, which was the airline we were flying on. And it said, you can cancel your trip up to 10 minutes before the flight leaves and not lose any money on the trip. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't go. She encouraged me to go. And I did. And I'm so glad I did. I got to see family I haven't seen in so long. I had an uncle drive in from uh, from the Seattle, Washington area. I had a, a cousin drive in from Nashville. And it was just fantastic. And then, of course, a lot of the family is right around the Minneapolis-St. Paul, the Twin Cities is what we call it, in that area. So it was really our job. If we wanted to be part of that celebration, uh, we we had to travel to them. And, you know, at the last moment before my wife encouraged me to make the trip myself, because it was my family, uh, we even considered driving the nine or 10 hours it takes to get up there. And she said, you know what, just go ahead, just go enjoy it. And, and so I did. And, and really God bless her for having the patience and, you know, the wherewithal, because, you know, when you go to, you know, your in-laws family, you don't really know anybody. You don't know the cousins or the aunts or the uncles, and you just kind of are there for the ride. And, and, and she's been a champion. She loves my mom's side of the family, and she really did want to be there, but she didn't make it. So it turns out that here is this beautiful couple married 50 years. Uh, my, I, I failed to mention my Uncle Hanna uh, arrived in uh, 1969 to America from Egypt, from Cairo, Egypt. Uh, he was a farmer there, and the uh, you know paperwork that he had to do, he explained he came here to be a farmer, and he actually married my mom's sister, Kathy, and uh, and they they joined you know different color skin couple they were biracial I guess you could say um, but the family welcomed him to America welcomed him into the family and he has been so great he is he is one of my best friends my uncle Hanna is and and it, it was just such a great experience so if you have an opportunity to to be around family safely um, I, I suggest you do it because in these crazy times that we're living in. It's it's hard to make a decision to you know to travel to you know go be around a lot of people and I will say this that at the reunion slash anniversary party, uh, my the oldest one there was my aunt Dolores who is eighty four years old, um, and she was probably the biggest surprise showing up because she lives in a a nursing home type situation. Well, of course, since coronavirus, they've been in quarantine mode, isolation mode, whatever you want to call it, and. Here we are at this point, and here comes her son walking with her. She has kind of a little walker, 84 years old again, and she comes around the corner to the backyard, uh, around the corner of the house, and it was such a beautiful sight to see her and all the cousins and all the uncles and aunts and uh, and little ones that are, you know, my second cousins now, third cousins. It was just a great experience, and I'm so glad that I made that trip. It was about you know being around family, and maybe you have been at a distance uh, with your family. You know, FaceTime only gets you so much. I mean, FaceTime is definitely a great technology, 
but to be physically around the family, uh, around my aunt Dolores, uh, the elderly, uh, 84-year-old. I did wear a mask, and she was wearing a mask for most of, most of it, other than when she was eating. But I'll tell you what, it, I, I highly encourage getting around family, especially those family members that you haven't seen in a long time, whether it's a, a driving trip or a flying trip. Again, I want to I stress the, the flying experience was fantastic. It was quick. The airport was not very busy. Of course, Southwest has, you know, their, their kind of their own terminal at Lambert. And I, you know, shuttled over there from the parking area, went in. It was very quiet. Got, uh, you know, I'd already pre-checked. So I went through the TSA check line, which didn't seem any different other than having a mask on. And the TSA agent uh, that I first spoke with said, you know, as I showed him my ID, they said, could you remove your mask for a moment? So they wanted to make sure I was the one that was traveling went through the regular TSA check, you know, they check your bags, check your shoes, whatever, and off to the gate, hour and 15 minutes, and I'm back home. And it was a great experience. So for my friends that encouraged me to go, to my wife that encouraged me to make that trip, uh, I just want to say thank you. It was a, a fantastic reunion slash anniversary, and it was, it's just something that I, I thought, you know, am I going to be scared into not going and there was a little bit of fear because I haven't flown since before the coronavirus began. But, uh, you know, airfares are real cheap right now and just a, a great experience all the way around. And I learned a little trick. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what I learned on the flight up there. They did pass out uh, little cups of water and one bag of snacks. You know, the little toasted things and the pretzels and the peanuts and whatever, the little bag. They said over the intercom that please keep your mask on for the duration of the flight. Of course, if you're not, if you're eating or you're drinking something, of course, you have to remove the mask for that. And the flight attendant said, but please don't eat one bit of the snack uh, at a time, you know, do it in a timely manner. Well, I did learn that I am a slow eater when I have an opportunity to remove my mask. And so I actually, I ate one kibble at a time. And I was still being safe. I would throw the mask up over my face uh, as I was chewing, but then I would drop it down again because, you know, with the mask on, it's just stifling a little bit, right? I can't be the only one experiencing that. Well, anyway, so the flight back was, you know, just as seamless, hour and 15 in the air, and boom, we're back to Lambert, and uh, really good to be back home. But so glad I made the trip, and if I can encourage you to do something like that, you got to do it. Get out of the same four walls. Maybe maybe drive somewhere. Take a, take a day trip or take a weekend or rent an RV or whatever you got to do. Uh, because this time of our, our world that we're living in is just crazy. And it's so refreshing to be around people you haven't seen in a while or places you haven't seen. So travel. That is my main lesson here on KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. We have a huge show for you planned. One of them, uh, one of the guests that I have scheduled is a gentleman who uh, less than a year ago, lost his sight in both eyes. He became so bitter and angry with the world that he wanted to commit suicide, but God stepped in and gave him purpose. Prior to this, Langford Cunningham received a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, becoming a counselor at a state prison. He has created projects for juvenile detention and formulated lesson plans for juvenile delinquents as a deputy juvenile officer. I'm going to introduce you to him, and we're going to have a huge conversation about the world and all that we're living in. Uh, so Blind City, the podcast is what it's called. Langford Cunningham is going to be my guest in the second hour. But coming up next, we're going to hit some headlines that you may not have heard about uh, in the recent past, including KFC suspending their finger-licking-good uh, l- lingo theme, uh, uh, you know, advertising slogan 
for a while during the coronavirus. We'll tell you about that and more coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Doing things together makes it a special day, a time for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Let's pick some up along the way. Yeah, you remember that slogan, finger licking good? It's always been part of KFC, and thank you, coronavirus pandemic. The company says they are finding themselves in a unique situation, having an iconic slogan that doesn't quite fit in the current environment. It has altered its packaging with the phrase obscured, but KFC said the phrase would return when the time was right. Now, they've revealed in its new look through a YouTube video showing the slogan pixelated on posters, And it's food bucket saying, the thing we always say, ignore it for now. (laughs) So it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad that people don't understand that that's a slogan. It's about their fried chicken. I haven't had KFC in a while, but I've had it. And it is finger looking good. Of course, you know, we're in this mode of washing our hands a lot. And I've been doing that a lot. Matter of fact, I'm to the point where I need to start lotioning it because they're drying out so bad. They're cracked. But uh, sad, right? The world is changing because of this pandemic, and the finger-licking-good slogan could not survive it, although KFC is surviving. Uh, Some people, of course, commented on social media because that's what they do. Uh, The slogan was not a health hazard as you were already eating with your own hands. Yeah, there's not many people that eat uh, fried chicken without their hands. I do know one, and it's my friend Brian, and we will talk to him later in the show. Probably not about that, but uh, boy, this guy's weird. I got a video of him eating chicken wings with a knife and a fork, removing the the meat with a knife and a fork. That's how he eats chicken wings all the time. And it's it's almost odd to me, uh, and I don't mean to point him out, but it, it just seemed odd. We were having dinner about a year ago, and I saw him eating uh, with a, a chicken wings with a knife and a fork. I, I break the you know three pieces apart, the pointy wing part, no good. You get the little drummy, clean that off, and then the two-bone part of the wing, you just twist it, and, and that's how I eat it, right? I thought I was weird after I saw how he eats chicken wings, but then I thought, oh, what does he do for a living? He's an, he works with electronics all the time, so he's always working with you know, tall, uh, you know, some kind of tools and, you know, really, really small stuff. So it kind of made sense. I would guess a, a surgeon probably, <laughs> probably eats the same way. Okay. Other stories that you may have missed. So sorry, KFC. We can't wait to hear about, uh, your next slogan or, or when the finger looking slogan comes back. Cause I miss it. Have you heard about this new fragrance that's out there? Now I'll tell you the, the people, humans have done weird things with fragrances over the years Years ago, there were movie stars and musicians that were creating cologne with their own sweat. I mean, literally would would put sponges on their body, under their clothing, go out and perform a concert, and then after that uh, concert was over, now these uh, sponges were drenched with sweat. They would be collected, the the, the actual sweat would be collected, uh, so they would then create... Uh, a, a cologne out of the elements of the sweat that this particular person created. You might remember Tim McGraw, the country singer. He had his own cologne that was out there. I think Brad Pitt had one too. Oh, to make a dollar, to make a dollar. Well, just recently this week, uh, if you've ever wanted to smell like a puppy's breath, well, here here's the news from the Pennsylvania Fragrance Company, uh, Demeter Fragrance. The smell captures the experience of meeting the new puppy for the first time. And who doesn't love new puppy smell? I, I, it's just one of those things, like new baby smell. 
up close and personal. They've got a little rainbow swirl of happy feelings and memories when you smell a new puppy for the first time. Puppy's breath is a revelation of warm, wet, and wonderful comfort. That's what this company is trying to push. In this world, boy, you can get anything, right? They say it's slightly sweet and undeniably organic and alive. The fragrance uh, is available now at Demeter's website. You can find this information at uh, KMOX.com. <sighs> okay, puppy's breath. Might, might put a smile on your face. I don't know. Okay, and here's another story. Is it okay to walk up to a stranger and rub their belly if they're pregnant? Okay, you see a pregnant woman. Stand, I, a matter of fact, I just saw one the other day. And I thought, oh, isn't that cute? Um, a pregnant friend is on a mission to stamp out unwanted belly rubs. And I got to admit that she's got the most perfectly round pregger's belly I've ever seen, she says, but I've never felt compelled to just reach out and start touching and rubbing. But she tells me it happens all the time. So pregnant women and moms, uh, do you have thoughts on this? I mean, I'm sure there's somebody on Twitter that's complaining about, you know, a stranger walking up and rubbing a belly. I, I just think that's weird, especially in the pandemic that we're living in. People don't do that stuff, right? Uh, it, it's just unacceptable. We don't touch each other anymore. I mean, when I would walk into work, you know, not that you would hug somebody, but if you haven't seen somebody in a long time, you, like the family reunion I just talked about, you know, I, I hugged some people and, and I had a mask on, I think every time. But, you know, we're, we're still resorting to fist bumps and foot kicks and elbow bumps. It's, it's just weird. So, uh, so if you're a pregnant woman and this has been happening to you where somebody, a stranger just walks up and rubs your belly, probably isn't happening right now, but it would be a little bit invasive. I mean, we all have our, like, safe space, right? This is my space. Don't come within my space, please. Uh, okay. Uh, another subject that uh, that came up, which was just phenomenal, part of the RNC, the uh, Republican National Convention, that President Trump issued a full pardon for a guy named John Ponder. He was a convicted bank robber from Nevada who started a post-prison program known as Hope for Prisoners to help people re-enter society, which I think is so important. Um, but it was just very touching to see this man, uh, you know, it proved that he was working with the president, but he was surprised when the president said what I'd like to do. And you don't know that this is going to happen. We are going to give you a full pardon. Uh, uh, president Trump says, John, we honor your devotion to showing returning citizens that they are not forgotten. This was on Tuesday. He says, I will continue to give all Americans, including former inmates, the best chance to build a new life and achieve their own American dream. And what was amazing is the words from John Ponder um, was that uh, this country is a country of second chances. Pretty amazing. So uh, Hope for Prisoners, it's an 18-month program that was started back in 2009. Uh, there's job training, there's mentorship, there's counseling. All these things are fantastic. Now, I teased with you a little bit that we're going to have Langford Cunningham as a guest in the second hour uh, from Blind City. It's a podcast. What's amazing is he had recognized something that, you know, a program like this to help inmates, you know, integrate back into society, have a job, have education, that kind of thing. What Langford figured out and realized was a lot of these programs were for adult prisoners, and he felt that there was a need to have special programs for juvenile offenders. And I can't wait for that conversation uh, to happen and for you to hear that. And that comes up in the second hour. My guest next is the lead singer for the Mighty Pines. Have you ever heard of them? Oh, you're going to love them. They're next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. <laughs> 
It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. I'm going to try and kick it old school a little bit. I've spent 30 years on music radio, uh, so that's a minute or two, right? Well, I'm going to try and talk up this intro. This is The Mighty Pines and a song called The River City Hymn. This is Neil Salsic. Listen to his voice quality. Have you ever seen a cottonwood tree on the banks of the mighty Mississippi? The thousands of leaves that blow in the breeze Shadows on the mighty Mississippi It's so sweet In the river city Life's so sweet I've said for so many years, as long as I've been in St. Louis since 1988, I was always amazed at the talent that is right here in St. Louis. And let's talk about music because, you know, Memphis and New Orleans and Chicago always get the credit for the great musicians. St. Louis has the best and right up there with the rest of them. And my guest is uh, the uh, the lead singer, I guess you're the lead singer, of the Mighty Pines, Neil Salsic. How are you, man? I'm great, Bo. Great to talk with you. Dude, this is amazing. Now, your vocal quality is over the top. Tell me where River City Hymn. I just played a little bit of it, so everybody got a little taste of it. And I'm going to I'm gonna send them to your Facebook page so we can get a lot of views on you, first of all. Great. Uh, where did this song come from? Well, uh, many songs uh, strike me as I'm uh, riding my bicycle throughout St. Louis, which I love to do. And uh, there's a place called the Riverfront Trail, which yeah. is kind of a strange little forgotten bike trail up on uh up north riverfront and i ride that all the time it's kind of a sacred space for me and um there's these incredible cottonwood trees that grow um on the banks of the river and one day i was just cruising man and that's the song just kind of started zapping into my brain it's so good man it's so good well we are talking with neil salsic how long has the mighty pines been around because i'm just being exposed to you right now i've never heard of you and i'm i'm sad because i want to hear more yeah thanks bo i'm glad we're, we're super excited to have you as a fan uh we've been together since 2016 as the mighty pines um and we've spent so many uh so much time touring the country um i call us a real working class band because we're just we're just out there in bars and clubs um earning fans every night uh we put out a new album this may and of course it was supposed to come out this summer with a big uh expansive amazing tour you know biggest thing we're ever going to do and we had to release it during covid which was disappointing but um we are kind of just adapting to the new environment and um getting used to online streams and and there's there's a silver lining to it you're normally out every weekend if not several times a week performing live in front of crowds how have you been dealing with i mean because that's your energy right yeah how do you deal with it at first it it seemed like a vacation yeah right and then a couple weeks in it started to, to sink in you know that it just live shows weren't coming back anytime soon and it it i gotta be honest there was moments of just kind of depression and it set you know i was missing that adventure i'm realizing that that it you know music and live music isn't going anywhere um there's there's a real kind of cool diy spirit that's just emerging because people are not gonna stop wanting live music so there's there's a little underground uh socially distanced uh private concert circuit starting to happen and, nice. and 
it usually ends up at nice wide open outdoor spaces, which is a great spot for music anyway. So it's, it's coming back and, and boy, does it feel good. I've got to tell you just because I'm stalking you on your Facebook page now, uh-huh. um, was, was the Rose music hall, was that a first, uh, uh, performance live or have you been performing a, a little bit throughout the summer? Well, that was our first public live performance. It was, it was magical. You know, the, the venue, just did such a wonderful job running a tight ship with regards to COVID and just doing everything really wonderfully. The music, we felt safe. The audience felt safe. It just, it was, and then of course everyone got their fix with the music. We just had a great time. You know, you get, you get an amazing natural high from performing like that how i'm thinking no doubt neil salsik is our uh, guest from the mighty pines the mighty pines when are you playing next can you tell me um yeah um we our next public show will be labor day weekend on saturday i think it's the fourth i hope i don't have that wrong i I mean no the the fifth okay um saturday september 5th at mount pleasant winery oh i love that place yeah, so we're we're starting to get our to dip our toes a little bit back into the public uh, sphere uh, of shows and and hoping for the best and and doing everything um, from our our end to make sure it's a a, a safe experience of for everyone and, and working with the <laughs> venues and all that stuff so people can come out if they uh, if they'd like to hear some live music and um, yeah, weather permitting of course because it's going to be outside and of not moved indoors but. Uh, that will be uh, the next show where people can check out the Mighty Pines. That's great. Check them out on Facebook, the Mighty Pines. Neil Salsik, our, our guest. And in this time off, Neil, while I've got you, have you had time to like, you know, Netflix and chill? Are you watching movies and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you see yesterday? Did you see the movie yesterday? The, the Beatles movie? I you, never saw it. Oh, you got to see it. You got to see it. I know. I know. It's I, There's a list. There's a list a mile high of, of stuff i gotta watch move that to the top my friend you will absolutely love it okay (laughs) yes and maybe i maybe i will see you out in augusta thank you so much for your time neil thanks for uh, singing and uh, thanks for singing the songs for uh uh, the river city hymn i love it great talking with you bo well when i'm 93 you know where i'll be at the end of my life when i'm saying goodbye to those i hold dearly Please bury me by the cottonwood tree On the banks of the mighty Mississippi It's so sweet In the river city Life's so sweet Again on Facebook, you'll find Neil with the Mighty Pines. Look it up and enjoy it. Maybe we'll see you in Augusta. Now, moms and dads, uh, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, anybody that's got kids in school, whatever kind of school that looks like for you, our next guest is a fireball. The Windy City Nanny is what she's known as. A lot of people are feeling more alone, even when together. Uh, you've become the you know breaking point for you, you know, trying to juggle job and kids in school and, again, whatever that looks like. And how do you know what the right decision is? Uh, riding the survive and thrive circle. Do the children have a say in this? And at what age? The Windy City Nanny is going to shed some light on it. Her name is Florence Ann Romano, and she's my guest next. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. 
It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and in this ever-changing world, I want to stay on top of as much as I can, just like sharing with you the Kentucky Fried Chicken slogan, going away, no more finger-licking good anymore, at least for a while. But there's a lot more bigger things that are going on, obviously. I like to call my show the Miscellaneous Show because I talk about all these different things. And I want to introduce you to, for those of you moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas that are uh, pr- you know, preparing for whatever kind of school you're having to go through, there is somebody that goes by the name the Windy City Nanny. Her name is Florence Ann Romano, and she has a take on what we can do. Send them back to school or not. Homeschool, hybrid school, change schools, go to private school. Welcome to St. Louis, the Windy City Nanny. I guess you're in Chicago or near there. I sure am. I'm joining you from Chicago. You you have you have street cred when it comes to childcare. You were a, a nanny, and yeah. then then you moved on, and you have uh, you have really learned a lot about children. Children are your passion, right? They have been my heart for a long time. I was a nanny for 15 years, and wow. then after I retired from being a nanny, I wrote my first children's book, Nanny and Me, to help children understand why they have a nanny in their <laughs> life and to help them with that transition. Why this extra person is in the house. And boy, if right. you if you have an opportunity to have one, that's that's fantastic. But um, let, let's talk about, you know, kids going back to school. I mean, of course, it's going to be different in every uh, school district because they're doing the hybrid, they're doing the at-home or whatever. Um, right. p- parents are just looking for answers. And I was just at a family reunion last weekend and so many new moms in that family. And they were like, I wasn't built to be a homeschool teacher or even a, or even a supervisor. No, no, they're not. They're not wired to do that. I mean, I've been talking to families all over the place and they're like, no, I just, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this at all. And they feel this immense sense of guilt now because they feel like they're failing their children because they're not able to do this. I mean, if you sat me down, though, and you said, Florence Ann, you need to do this second grade math worksheet. I mean, there's no way I'd probably be able to do most of it. <laughs> so, I mean, there's just, I mean, you're just not built to do certain things after a certain point. That's why you have the professionals. So, that's why we pay our taxes, too, right? right? That's why you pay your taxes. That's why you send your children to the choice of school if you have it. You have that school choice to to be able to send them where they need to be in order to get the education that you want them to have or if they have special needs, that they're able to go to a school that's able to support them and the resources that they need. So, you know, looking at the child care system right now, looking at child care in terms of the crisis that we're in right now, uh, you know, we were in this before the pandemic hit. You know, I'm here to tell the, the hard truth. Here we were in a we were in a childcare crisis before about you know who was taking care of these children, right. helping taking care of these children, and now we have people because of the pandemic, their villages are ripped away from them, and their villages count grandparents, friends, family, schools, extracurricular activities, everything. Villages are have been wiped out, and people do not know how to live this way. You know why? Because we're not supposed to. No, no, but that's why we have schools set up. And that's why I mentioned that we pay taxes for that or pay tuition to a private school. But, uh, so I'm sure that you're in contact with a lot of families. Uh, I will share with you a quick conversation I had with my cousin who has a five-year-old, uh, going into kindergarten. And of course, uh, I'm sorry, going into first grade, but in kindergarten had to do the zoom class, for a, for a kindergartner. And so it was scary because how do you have a five-year-old sit for three or four hours 
looking at a screen if it's not a video game or a movie. And that's a that's a true challenge and a true struggle that they're going through. And they're just baffled. They have no idea what to do. So what do you what do you tell parents that have that situation? I'm telling all parents right now to survive, and I'm telling all parents to not shame each other, too. You know, no shaming about what choice you're making for your family, whether you're keeping them home or you're sending them to school or you're participating in a hybrid situation or you're taking your kids out of public school and putting them into private because you don't want to homeschool them. Because here in Chicago, the archdiocese said they're all going back five days a week full time. And a lot of parents were like, you know what, I I feel safe about this. And so I've seen both sides of it. I hear both sides of this argument. And it has to be right for your family. And I understand that. But at the same time, you are you have to temper your expectations. Like you just said, a five-year-old sitting in front of a Zoom for like a few hours, yeah. I mean, let alone a few minutes sometimes, it's just not conducive to the, to the nature of how education is supposed to go. And, and beyond education, because you know what? I say the unpopular thing. I'm not as concerned about these kids right now falling behind in school because everybody's falling behind in school. The entire country and even globally are all on the same page. Teachers will catch them up when this all comes to an end one day. The damage that I'm worried about more than anything is the emotional, the mental, the social, all of that. 100%. That is where my concern is. That is where my heart is. You know what? If that kid can't sit in front of that screen for all that time, you know what? Then maybe you can spend some time with that child talking about the things they don't talk about in school, respect and love and manners and kindness and compassion. You know, there are other things we need to teach our children in this world that they don't learn in a classroom. Maybe not always on time. Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, our job as, as adults and parents is to train our children to be, you know, law abiding, tax paying Americans. We're talking with Florence Ann Romano. She's otherwise known as the Windy City Nanny, which you can find her at WindyCityNanny.com. Author, philanthropist, and child care expert. Would you say that uh, this is really putting a spotlight on the teachers of this country and how important their job is and how hard their job is? Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> we all hail. All hail to the teachers. I mean, we all are like, why aren't they getting paid more money? I can't yeah. believe what they go through. But, you know, it takes a special heart to be a teacher. It takes a special heart to be a teacher in a lot of different ways. Like I said, even special education, that's an entirely different category that most people don't know about. Uh My brother is 17 months younger than I am, has autism. So I have seen the typical students and I have seen the, 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 the children that need, need more support in school for all different reasons. And so, you know, I, I, I look at the school system and I see, I see wonderful things about it, but I also look at the school system and I see things that need to be overhauled, things that need attention. And that's the way of the world. We're not supposed to just stay consistent in our ways because it's comfortable. We're supposed to challenge things as things change in our world. And I think one thing the pandemic did was shove child care and everything regarding child care into the spotlight, whether it's paid family leave or how we're educating our children or who we're leaving our children with or where we're putting our kids when parents are going to work and who's taking care of them and influencing them, all of a sudden, man, we are looking at childcare through very di- a very different lens, and we need to look at it that way. So if it took a pandemic 
for us to make sure we're going to take care of, of our children, right. then, you know, let's find the positive in that. Let's make a change. You know, there's, there's a couple of different schools of thought uh, from us taxpayers is, okay, if we're not utilizing the school buildings, why are our taxes the way they are? Uh, <laughs> right. No, I mean, you hear, you hear every argument. Um, right. I, I just saw a video of uh, the uh, United States Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, and they were talking about how many parents are now aware of what their children are learning and that some parents have been encouraged not to sit in or be near the Zoom meetings because the teachers didn't want any interaction or any interference from the parents as they are putting out these lesson plans. Of course, it went political and it was talking about uh, lesson plans on Black Lives Matter and protesting and things like this for like third third graders. So it, it, it's, it's a little frightening, uh, but it's also, I think maybe there's a reason why all this is happening. As you said, if there's any uh, you know silver lining of this uh, you know situation that parents are in with small children or even teenagers, it's that maybe parents do need to pay attention a little bit more of, to what your public school is teaching. Uh, so paying, it's right, tough. paying attention to the curriculum that your child, you know, is participating. And I think it's very important. I always believe in active parenting, you know, that you have to have representation in, in whatever arena your child is in, whether it's with their friends, with their family, at their school, at their extracurriculars, you have to have a finger on the pulse of it. And, but what I hate seeing happen right now is because of the nature of just kind of the world, everything, like what you just mentioned, you know, Betsy DeVos did this, did this press conference about this. And then of course they, they put the political spin on it. Right. And I, you know, and that's a big problem right now regarding state to state who's opening up and what they're doing regarding schools, because there's a political angle attached to so much of what's going on. And it's completely muddying the, the pure intentions of what we need to be doing. We need to be looking out after our kids and the, the coronavirus. And I'm not a, I'm not a scientist, I, but the coronavirus are very minuscule numbers in children. Uh, we know that for young people, they, they can, you know, endure this even if they're exposed to it. And I understand there's the spread concern and all that stuff. But the thing is, there's so many other levels, whether it's emotional, social, all these all these things that are going on in a little child that's being formed. You know, their minds are being formed. Heck, I'm 53 and my mind's still being formed, I think. Uh, <laughs> but but it is it is frightening to see this isolation that we're in. Uh, so I really I really hope that we can get this, you know, figured out. And so normalcy can come back because the kids, I think, I mean, that was some of my best times. And probably for you, school was fantastic. You know, you had your friends and you had your circle and you you learned so much. I, I don't know. It's just, it is such a crazy world. Um, I agree with you. You know, I always talk about parents needing their village and, you know, children need their village too. You yeah. know, it's, it's not just an, a, a specific to adults. And I've seen children firsthand suffer from what's going on because they have been ripped away from their from their support. They've been ripped away from people that they love. They are, they are starting to retreat emotionally and socially because they have not been engaged with anyone. And they are now developing, I believe, some sort of social fear now going back out there because they, they've lost, they've lost 
time, you know, learning to hone those skills. And it is a skill. Not every child is, you know, with little floor and fan who walked into the room was like, ah, you know, I was, you know, it's not always that way. Sometimes it takes a long time to coax children out of that shell and to work on those skills like you work on anything else. And this pandemic for those children, I, my heart goes out to them because that is a lot of work. That's a lot of work that goes into helping children navigate that. My name is Bo Matthews, and coming up after the top of the hour, more with the Windy City Nanny, next on KMOX. It is the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. Thanks for hanging in over the top of the hour with the news break that we had uh, because we have more to talk about with the Windy City Nanny. Her name is Florence Ann Romano. She's an author, philanthropist, child care expert who has always had a special place in her heart for children. But if you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle and you're helping out with the kids uh, with a lot of, you know, the extra time that they're staying at home, you know, sometimes you're looking for answers. Well, this, this guest of mine has got street cred. She has even been featured on national so- shows like Home and Family, The Doctor and The Diva, Fox News, Good Day Chicago, WGM, The Jenny McCarthy Show. I think I've actually heard her on that. Also Sirius XM, but she is my guest now, born and raised just outside of Chicago. And uh, Florence Ann Romano earned a degree in performance theater at Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois, and then served as president and founder of a nonprofit board dedicated to autism awareness and now serves on the executive board of the Children's Research Fund uh, and uh, at Lurie's uh, Children's Hospital, and she's also on the Leadership Council of the Sesame Workshop. So lots of great stuff, lots of credentials, but here's the thing. She worked over 15 years as a nanny, and I was thinking nannies are, are for rich people. That's rich people problems. But uh, there is more and more families that do have a nanny because they want that help. They need that extra person. Just like having a gardener or a pool boy when you can't handle all these tasks. Well, it's always a nice addition. If there's somebody you can trust, it could possibly be a nanny. So please, let's dispel the myths of and the, the, the stigma of what a nanny is all about. I want to redefine nanny, Bo. That is a big part of my platform is, you know, people don't understand what that means today. And I'll tell you a shocking statistic. Over 64% of families in America today have a nanny or what? a caretaker for their children. Over 64%. Wow. Now, when you look at that statistic and you break it down, there's a lot of reasons why that exists today. You've got single parents more than ever. You know, you've got different dynamics of families today than you've ever seen. You've got both parents in the household working, maybe because they have to or because they want to, whatever it is. But when you start putting all of that in, there's no wonder that statistic is so high. And that statistic rises in line with the employment rate. Now, I know the pandemic did some damage to that, but we're seeing the recovery happen. We're seeing things happen, you know, out there now. And I'll tell you what, no one, no one anywhere else, all over the country, the common denominator I think you're seeing is everybody wondered who was going to help them take care of their children when all this happened. And that was something that bonded everyone. I don't think any, everyone realized how much help they needed. And part of my platform, there are three things I always say. You need to build your village, ask for help, and let love in. And I believe that nannies today are providing a very different a different presence in children's lives today. They're kind of like an aunt or an uncle or a godparent. And sometimes they're the grandparents. Sure, and a lot. It, it, 
right? A lot of the time, the granny nanny's coming back. I mean, I grew up in an old-fashioned Italian household where my grandparents lived with us. I could have so swore I you said granny panties, but you said granny nannies. Granny nannies, granny nannies. But, you know, that, that's the truth is, you know, this nuclear family, this extension of family is, is coming back. But yeah. beyond that. Parents are hiring people to come in and help them take care of their children on a much more regular basis, a lot more hours attached to it. And I keep telling these parents, you need to be hiring someone that is an extension of your values, an extension of who you are and the type of people you want to be around your children to be their role model. It's a big job. Why is the stigma of having a nanny, and I'm sure there's some hate out there on social media, but uh, I thought it was just rich people problems, but with a statistic like you're saying, over 60% of families do have a nanny. Uh, right. That That's amazing. So, So how do you find a nanny is there is there websites how do you how do you know that they are going to be if they're not family or a dear friend how are you going to know that they're the right nanny for you first part of it, it's not a rich people thing anymore. I mean, everyone thinks it's like Mr. and Mrs. X, you know, the Nanny Diary, Scarlett Johansson's movie, you know, Upper East Side in New York. And, you know, that, of course, that still exists. Mrs. But Doubtfire. Nancy, don't don't forget yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. And then you hear of all the scandal attached to it. You know, everybody's cheating with the nanny. Oh, I, 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 watch the nanny. The, I watch the Learning Channel. I watch that. I right. know. Right? So all of that. So nanny has a bad stigma attached to it. But I always like to make it real simple. I like everything to be simple in life. Nanny is anyone who's taking care of your child in your absence today. I mean, let's make it that simple. Yeah, you have a babysitter that you hire on date night, but a nanny is someone that's there a little bit more regularly. And as you're looking at, you know, how to hire a nanny, yeah, if it's not a friend or a family or someone that you trust, the question is, can you trust? another person to come in and take care of your children. I believe you can, but I believe you have to vet them properly. Like I said, going back to values, who are you? What do you, what's your feelings on discipline, on corporal punishment, on nutrition, on culture, on religion, on politics? You know, is all this going to be a part of raising your child? You have to know thyself before you can go and have someone else come into your home and be an extension of that for you. And the nannies have to do that same self-actualization, that self-inventory of knowing what they need from the family that they're going into, what their beliefs and values are, because that's how you make it successful. That's how you make that trifecta of parent, child, and nanny work. Well, she has a nickname, the Windy City Nanny, Florence Ann Romano, uh, pretty much knows what she's talking about. Now, what what can I call you? Mrs. Romano, uh, Florence? (laughs) Call me by my first name, Florence Cannon. My nickname is Low. L O. You're welcome. I love to no. I love too. nicknames. Low. Let's talk seriously. Is there like websites that if somebody says to you, Low, how do I find a nanny? Yeah. Is there a nannysrus.com or what is there it? Are- so many agencies today out there, depending on where you live, Chicago has many of them, but two online uh, mediums that I really like are Sitter City and Care.com. They are very good. They are very reliable, but I want to make this disclaimer. No matter if you use an agency online, in person, otherwise, it is up to you parents to make sure you are doing all the vetting to make sure that that person is going to come into your house and be trustworthy. you got to do those background checks, see what they're doing on social media. And you know what? This this former nanny is all about the nanny cam. I am 100% an advocate for nanny cams. It's not because I don't trust people. It's because I believe in trust and verify. And that yes. old saying. Yeah, absolutely. No, and nanny cams, I mean, it's just technology. That's why we have the ring doorbell. That's, that's why I have a, a nanny cam. I have no small children, but I have a nanny cam in my garage. So I know what's going on out there. Um, 
and and I think one of the most important things is if you are interviewing a prospective nanny for your family and they can't put their phone down, uh, that's not going to be the right one. You know what I'm saying? You, we all have to no. put these devices down. We all do. And, you know, it's hard because everyone always says to me, you know, oh, you got to get these kids to disconnect from technology. And I'm like, you know, you can't even do that as an adult. How are you going to make the kids do it? <laughs> just, we have to lead, lead by example. You know, everything in moderation. I believe that very strongly. Everything in moderation. But you want that nanny to come into your home to be someone that loves your children, that protects them, that ha- makes memories with them, has fun with them. You know, as a nanny, be present. Be present in those kids' lives because they notice when you're not paying attention to them. And that that affects kids. And I mean, listen, us as adults, when we're being ignored by someone, that hurts. Imagine how it feels to be a child and think that, you know, whatever's on that phone is more important than, than looking at that child, you know, catch a firefly in a, in a bottle or jump on the trampoline or show you their artwork, yeah. you know, make, make children feel important. So, so you really do believe in what you have coined the trifecta. You believe parent, child, and a caretaker working together. This is the village. This is your beginning of your small village. I think it's the, it's how you are successful. You don't have that revolving door of caretakers in your life because you're doing the work. Yeah. And raising children is work, and bringing people into your circle is work. And I'm not trying to add more to parents' plates here. I'm just saying... <laughs> Pick and choose the people that you have around your children. You want the best for them. We want the, I want the best for all of you, for your whole family. Pick and choose the love that exists in your family, the role models they have in their lives, because you're setting them up to be, hopefully, adults that are going to be compassionate, empathetic, tolerant, loving, kind people in this world. And they, they learn that. They have to learn that from somewhere. So lead by example. We've spent a lot of time, low talking about nannies. What do you think about mannies? <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> I, think I think it's wonderful. You, know, you have to think about the way families are built today. There's a lot of different families. And I, I actually explored last year, went into a bunch of different homes. And one family that I went to, the little kid had two dads and they said, and the, the, the father said to me, you know what? We wanted a female nanny for him because we wanted them a kind of a maternal influence. Right. And I thought that was so cool. And smart. I thought that's such a smart, but also very Again, taking that inventory of themselves and wondering what they wanted for their child in terms of influence. And I, 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 get, I commended them for taking the time to be thoughtful about that. That's fantastic. Lo is uh, her nickname. That's what I'm going to call her from now on. Florence <laughs> Ann Romano, the Windy City Nanny. She has a YouTube series that you can find. It's called Windy City Nanny uh, and WindyCityNanny.com. Also, I encourage any parent or grandparent to pick up her book, Nanny and Me. Is it available everywhere on Amazon or whatever? everywhere i hear it makes a great baby shower gift oh That's what <laughs> nice and 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 so i'll suggest to you lo that your sequel will be called manny and me i think you're on to something there but i like it <laughs> all right from the windy city it's the windy city nanny on the voice of st louis kmox thank you so much for your time it was so much fun thank you both Wow, the energy of that conversation. Thank you so much to the Windy City Nanny. Now stick around because coming up next, we're going to come back to St. Louis with a guest that's from here uh, less than a year ago. Langford Cunningham lost his sight in both eyes due to glaucoma, and that is really when he had his true vision. We're going to talk to Langford Cunningham, my special guest next from the Blind City Podcast. It is next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX.
It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. You know, there's a lot of things that you can hear on KMOX that becomes a podcast as soon as it's over with, uh, like my show. As soon as it's over with, uh, for the first time it's aired, it turns into a podcast. And if you think about how many people you see walking down a street or, you know, driving or whatever, they all got these little earbuds in their ear. A lot of times, they're listening to spoken word. They, they want information. They want to learn. They want to move forward. Of course, we advise you to go to radio.com, download that free app. There's so much great content on there, whether it's on KMOX or any of our sister stations that are around the country. Uh, of course, you can hear the Cardinals on it, uh, but I encourage you to download the radio.com app. And I bring up podcasts specifically because I was just made aware of a podcast that I didn't know about. I mean, I've seen, I've heard the Joe Rogan experience. I've heard all these different uh, sports pro, uh, podcasts that go out there. But Blind City, the podcast, is something I was just informed of. It's headed up by a guy named Langford Cunningham. And I have to tell you, the reason why it's called Blind City Podcast is because he lost his eyesight due to glaucoma. Now, he received a vision from God for Blind City, and I want to ask him more about that, but he had so many surgeries, and, you know, depression goes along with that. Uh, but he had to lose his sight to find his vision. And through this experience, Langford himself is a, a growing passion to help those in desperate situations find hope, hope in the Lord, which I think is so important, maybe the most important, and hope for a brighter future through a new vision. So welcome to KMOX, Langford Cunningham. How are you, sir? Oh, bless and blind, brother. Bless and blind. How you doing, Bo? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I, I, I'll tell you what. I just watched your Michael Brown Sr. interview that you did, uh, I guess, been a couple of weeks now. Yes. And, and the one thing I, that I took away from that um, is this is a father who lost his son. Well, yes, Bo. Um, that interview with Michael Brown Sr. Was, um, it was, it was touching. I wanted to show a side of him of what he was dealing with. I mean, this guy that went through, like, two mild heart attacks. Um, he's struggling financially. And there's a lot of people that came out of that Ferguson movement yeah. activist that are getting paid, yeah. getting lots of money off his son's death. And I wanted him to share his story. Because when you see Michael Brown Sr., you only got snippets of him right. on the news and little cliches he'll speak about his son. But I wanted to show people his humanity side, his humanity side, because that's what we're missing in America right now, man, because it's about humanity, and we're not seeing that. People making it about race. And, and you know, one thing we all have in common, man, we're all going to leave here. You're right. And when we get put in that coffin, buddy, we're going to go back to dust. So the color of your skin don't even matter. You are absolutely right. You know, one thing that shocked me out, and I know this this conversation between you and me is about Blind City Podcast. It's yes. it's it's not strictly about Michael Brown Sr., but what I found ironic was the man was wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt on the podcast video that I saw, but yet please share uh, with, with me uh, what he felt about the organization. Now, the sentiment Black Lives Matter is one thing, but... He has, a, he has a bad taste in his mouth for the organization. He does, doesn't he? Right, a sour taste. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I wanted to share that with the people because, you know, some people might have thoughts of Michael Brown maybe being kind of disgusted with white people. No, that's not the case. He's more disgusted with his own people. Right. And, and Black Lives Matter, um, when you go 
take a look at the interview on, on BlindCityThePodcast.com or our YouTube channel, Blind City the Podcast. Please subscribe to it. Um, you will see how he speaks in detail on how he feels and why he felt that way. Right. He had an experience with this organization. And it wasn't a good one. No, it wasn't a good one. See, I just saw a video on Facebook. There's a video going around on Facebook Messenger that talks about uh, that Black Lives Matter, the movement or the organization, is really a Democratic-run organization and very little of the money uh, that they collect, which is to the tune of millions, if not billions, rarely makes it to the streets to help these people out. (laughs) Exactly. It barely makes it back to the families who really need it, losing their loved ones. It's yes, it's so right. sad. Hey, let's go. Let's uh, let's talk about you. And I, again, I, I encourage anybody to go watch the Michael Brown Senior video or listen to the podcast because it is so moving to see just a father who lost his son. But let's talk about you, man. You are an educated man. Uh, you grew up in the city. You you grew up on the streets, right? Yes. Tell me tell me what led to uh, through your life up until you got the glaucoma. Well, um, I grew up over on the north side, Shreve and Betsy, and, and, you know, I grew up through a lot of um, friends being murdered, like what's going on now in these streets. Um, the crime in, in, in our community just didn't start yesterday. Mm-hmm. Crime in our community really started taking place in 2008, if you look at the, the statistics and the homicide. Right. Um, it's been taking a rise. And during 2008, Kim Gardner was not in office. It was another lady that was a prosecutor attorney. And um, she had problems getting cases solved. And what I want people to understand, to get cases solved, you need help from the community. You need help from the community. People have to work with the prosecutor attorney to get some of these cases to trials, to arrest some of these wolves in our community. But you have a lot of single mothers raising children because... A um, lot of men, black men in the inner cities, um, have gone to prison. Um, some went to prison, got more years than others, on bogus drug charges. Right. You know, if a kid sells heroin or crack cocaine in Bowen, he might see two years and five years probation. he get out in two years and do five years probation. You take the guy in the city, he might do 10, 15 years straight time. If not life. You know, there you go. A lot of those stories. Exactly. So you got a lot of these single mothers. They are here trying to raise their kids in an environment that has lack of resources, um, educational system. And they're scared. Kind of and they're Langford. They're scared too. They're scared. Langford Cunningham is my guest, and Langford, I I got to tell you, Crime Stoppers, the the phone call that people can make is an anonymous call. You know, nobody wants to get in trouble. Nobody wants to snitch on anybody and get, you know, get caught at that because that's, you know, more violence to come after that. But Crime Stoppers is a great organization that can help solve some of these crimes and some of these killings that are going on. Would you agree? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know, when you live in these type of environments, like I say, the fear is so strong because the gangs have really taken over the streets. Mm Mm-hmm. They have really taken over the streets. So they have a lot of people living in fear from the the single mothers and the senior citizens in those communities. They can't even come out and get fresh air to walk around the block to exercise. They all trapped inside their house, especially with um, CV-19 right now. It's really horrible. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? You know, uh, I I thought it was ironic um, watching the, uh, the RNC this past week. 
uh, I saw that President Trump had uh, had pardoned John Ponder. Do you know the story on him? No, I don't. I heard about it. I heard his name. Okay, John Ponder, former bank robber, you know, uh, gang member, all this stuff in the past. It, it, he said John Ponder himself was pardoned by the president during this past week, and uh, he and he himself said this is a country of second chances. And I thought that was so powerful because he has started a, a rehabilitation program to get prisoners back into the streets, back into society. And that's what your path has been, too. Your drug rehabilitation counselor at, at a state prison. You've created exactly. projects. Talk about that experience with, uh, with what you've done. Well, yeah. Well, like I said, I saw the necessity in our communities that was needed. And like I said, I, I grew up through a lot of the, my friends being murdered and the, the gangs, the Crips and Bloods back in the... 80s and 90s, um, going into 2000s with the younger generation now, it's, it's pretty much the same system. Yeah. And then I was out there in the streets as well. Um, I always had a little focus, but I wasn't 100% focused. Um, even I went back to school later. I went and got my college degree at 42 years old. So I tell anybody out <laughs> that's there awesome. that's past 30, go back to school. Don't feel like it's never too late. It's only too late when when you when, when the casket drops. If the <sighs> casket don't drop, you have an opportunity to accomplish anything in life. So I went back to school and I got my degree. And I was turning my life around, um, you know, from the streets. And um, I went to Sanford Brown at the time and got me a two-year degree in criminal justice. And um, I got hired at the state prison as a drug counselor. And um, there I was exposed to what was really going on in a lot of different communities, not just St. Louis, Chicago, Los Angeles. We're all kind of looking at the same problems that we're having in America in these communities. Lack of resources, drug problems, um, low education, people not getting educated. So I want to make a difference. And then I was working part-time for St. Louis County Juvenile Detention. And when I went there... I saw there wasn't no programs for the at-risk youth. Right. And I thought that was kind of strange. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm over here at the state prison as a drug counselor, and I'm seeing all these life skill programs for grown men doing life in jail. Why they don't have the life skill program in juvenile detention where kids might have a second opportunity? It's like so obvious. How could it be missed, right? Yes. Life so or- I started some programs for St. Louis County, and I, I had a director that believed in me, and she started letting me do it. And and it kicked off with talking kids, talking to kids, putting them in the circle, talking about their issues, their problems, and just to get them start talking, man. That's what I want to do. I want to create a therapeutic environment instead of a dictatorship. Right. And we have a lot of those in these juvenile detentions, man. You'd be surprised. They don't get a lot of attention on the news, but you got a lot of juvenile detentions running dictatorships with these kids locked up, man. But you got to create a the therapeutic environment for these kids so they can earn your trust so they can talk to you. That's the only way we're going to get a lot of problems solved. You got to learn how to communicate. And that's what Blind City, the podcast, do for these streets. We are the therapy the streets, man, to try to bring down some of this tension to get people to talk about what they're going through, Bo. Langford Cunningham is his name, and blindcitythepodcast.com is where you can find him. But, uh, Langford, I want you to hang on the line. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and, and I want to talk about more of what you think this country, not 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 inner city, not suburban, I, I want to talk about this country and what we need. <laughs> and we th- I think we're going to agree on this. That's coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. My special guest is Langford Cunningham. He has the pl- the Blind City podcast. 
but he has got some street cred going, uh, you know, growing up on the streets of St. Louis, but then he educated himself. He just told us in the last segment that he went to college at, at 42 years old, he says, bachelor's degree in criminal justice. He's got a drug rehabilitation counselor. That's what he did at the state prison level. He created projects for juvenile detention. You created lesson plans for juvenile delinquents as a deputy juvenile officer. I'm tell I'm not telling you this, Langford. I'm telling the listeners, but I just want I just want them to understand that you your heart has been changed. Now, what's ironic is that you uh, you are blind completely, 100 percent, right? Yes. Due to glaucoma, and this happened at what age of your life? Yeah, a year ago, man. Yeah. Um... Um, and, I, and let me say this. Let me tell all the men, when you feel something going wrong with you, don't try to self-medicate yourself. Get to the doctor. Um, <laughs> I'm hearing you, man. We get, so caught up, we get so caught up in life. You know, you know, as boys, you know, we were never told about our health. We were told to be providers. Right. We were told to go get the bag, the money, get the house, take care of your kids, get the wife, get the cars, get a business. And we get so caught in everyday life, what we need to do for our family, but we rarely think about what we need to do for ourselves. Yeah. If you don't have your health, you don't have nothing. There you go. You ain't got to tell me that, brother. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But I, I lost a lot of money. No, go right to the doctor. Don't try to self-medicate yourself. Don't ask, why is it happening to me? Yeah. Or maybe it'll go away in a couple of days. No, go right to the doctor. Be safe. Because that's what I did. I waited too long. I waited too long. I had everything I thought, but I never had a personal relationship with God. They get so caught up into what fraternity they belong to, what corporation they work for. Um, um, How much money they're know, making. They get so caught up in social events, man, but yeah. you got to understand the real gift in life is not when you receive gifts or buy gifts. It's the gift of life, what God gave you. You know, not only are we dealing with the coronavirus, we're dealing with the unrest in the city streets uh, around the country, even in little town Kenosha, Wisconsin now, which is horrible. Um, But then you got the wildfires going. You got the hurricane down in Louisiana, right? This is all happening at one time. And I'm not who who knows what he's up to. But when God is up to something and when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. And and you are are really trying to set the, the tone of Blind City, the podcast in just real talk and talking straight and just you and me talking right now. Yes, that's just a blind man trying to help the whole world to see, bro. That's all I'm trying to do. And you're right, man, what you just said with the hurricanes and, and the, um, the racism and, and people out here with breast cancer and people fighting cancer. I got a friend right now fighting for his life, man, uh-huh. fighting for his life right now. I know a couple of women that had lost their breasts and, and, and lost weight had they hurt to cut their hair off and had to had to find how to how to reinvent themselves because after you go through a tragedy man even with me losing my sight i had to learn how to reinvent myself man because i was so depressed bo i was thinking about suicide sure. i was going to commit suicide man when the doctor told me mr cunningham you will not be able to see again mm. man i felt like the whole room turned upside down and start spinning around, man. Oh, and then when I went home trying to figure all this out, the only thing I could figure out was how to hang myself oh from my the gosh. shower curtain. Oh, my gosh. How, how maybe I need to find a gun and stick it down my throat and blow my brains out. I was just having all these evil thoughts, man. And then when you put it into action, 
and listen to me, Bo. And a lot of people out here, your listening audience, because I don't know what they may be dealing with. This whole country. go home and close their doors, Bo, you'd be surprised. All bats come flying out of hell, man. I'm telling you, the the devil's playground is an empty mind. And and it's so, so true. Because I've 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 had the thought many years ago I had the thought but but where are we now in this country you know every city's you know the the Kenosha Wisconsin thing is coming up I you know right. the one common denominator and and agree or disagree but the one common denominator when I was growing up my dad said you listen to the police if the police pull you over you do exactly what they say and we'll you go from there and right. and the one common denominator that I'm seeing in all these news stories is. That whoever it is, white or black, it it the person is not listening to the police. They are they are resisting. They're doing something that they shouldn't be doing, and it it breaks my heart because just like Michael Brown Jr. dying and his parents, his dad on your podcast was you know broken hearted. That that guy up in in Wisconsin's got a family too. He's just a son. He he he's on a bad path, but he. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let me say this, Bo. Please. And you're right. Let me say this though. Um, you know, we've been dealing with police brutality since 1965, bro. The Watts riots. Um, and in the community, the black community, um, a lot of black men are scared for their life, bro. And I agree with you. When the police tell you to do something, you, you have to do it. Right. You have to do it. Because once you, if you don't do it, you're putting your life at risk. But I think a lot of black men are just scared, man. And and when they get pulled over, they instantly start thinking, I'm going to die. And they pack in that situation. And that's where we need more therapy, man. We need more more um, counselors, professional people coming into these communities to, to talk with our young black men. Um, even in the prisons, juvenile detentions, in the schools, even in the schools, it should be a subject on how to react to the police. And Langford, with Langford Cunningham from the Blind City Podcast is my guest. The thing is, you're you're saying that, yes, black black men, young black men are scared of the police because of what could happen. But I'm telling you as a white man, if I or you do not do what the police do, either one of us are going to be vulnerable for for uh, repercussions of of our actions. So it's, it's not a skin thing. But it, it, I understand. I, I well, I can't. I cannot empathize because I'm not a black man. But I can right. tell you, as a as as white as as a white man, uh, I've got right. people that I know that have been white men that have that have done the wrong thing. And guess what? They paid too. Right. But I think I think where the flip side to that is though. But every time you go home and turn on the evening no, evening news, you don't it's hear a about black it. Man. Yep, you're right. It's you're a right. Black man. It's a black man. Why is it continuously? It's a black man. They don't show the white man. And I live in Baldwin. I hear the police pull them over every day, late at night. You're absolutely right. They do pull over white men. You're right. When it comes to the media and on the news, we're just not seeing. We're just seeing the black man. In. And how do you think? For a young black child and a young black uh, a black family, got to tell their child when they continuously see this on TV of a black man just getting murdered, sure. just getting murdered, just getting murdered. You know what that does to the psyche? I, I can't even imagine. I, I can't. But let me tell but you, we need th- we need therapy, man. We need we need. You know, people don't go see the we don't go see a therapist in the hood, man. Number one. No. Um, a lot of people in the communities are too embarrassed to say, "Hey, I'm seeing a therapist." Absolutely. You know? But there's a lot of um, therapy in God. There's a lot of therapy in the Bible, 
And and I would challenge you to to think of the Bible as a therapist. That, you know, this is this is the laws. These are the Ten Commandments. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's how I, that's how I beat suicide, bro. That's why I'm still here. <laughs> Amen. That's you why know, I'm still here. here. A personal relationship with God, bro. And then and, and check this out, bro. When you try to kill yourself and it doesn't work, mm. you know it's God. Wow. Let wow. me say it again. When you try to kill yourself and it doesn't work. That let me know right there, God had a purpose for me. And, you and have, that's when Blind City was created, bro, to make sure other people don't lose sight of their vision. I want to make sure people can get a personal relationship with God, share my testimony, and not just my glory, but my story to empower lives, man. Even if it changes one, but I know it's more than that. Uh, your mission, it says on your website, to stimulate the heart of the nation by offering hope in a world filled with turmoil. So well said. Langford Cunningham, my guest. I, I, you know what? I hope we can uh, keep this line of communication open because I would love to have you back on, especially as this this world evolves and uh, unfolds in front of us because nobody knows what tomorrow brings, right? You got that right, Bo. Blind City Podcast. It's blindcitythepodcast.com is where you can find it. Langford Cunningham. Uh, he's, he's on a mission. He's on a mission from God, just like the blues brothers uh, movie. Um, (laughs) it's true. I really appreciate all the time that you've given us and uh, Langford, let's stay in touch and, uh, and talk soon again. Okay. And let me say this, Bo, real quick. Yep. Let me say this for people to go to YouTube, blind city, the podcast, check out all my episodes. I got episodes on sex trafficking. Uh, I went to the streets and talked to the young youth, the youth in the streets who are surrounded by these wolves, the murders. It's called Trapped in the Streets. But go to Blind City Podcast YouTube and listen to all the episodes. You will be inspired. And for people that are not from these communities, you will be informed. And, Bo, I have one question for you on your show. You know who the most dangerous man in the world is? A blind man with vision. Langford Cunningham. Thank you, Bo. Reba Dirty. <laughs> that is awesome. This is the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Don't tell anybody I told you this, especially don't tell Joe Biden. I don't think that there should be any debates. I do not think that the president of the United States has comported himself in a way that anybody that has any association with truth, evidence, data, and facts. I I wouldn't legitimize a conversation with him, nor a debate in terms of the presidency of the United States. All right, that has got to be the soundbite of the week for me. This is Bo Matthews on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX, and I figured I'd uh, recruit my buddy Brian in because we always have a politically correct uh, political conversation when we're uh, on uh, on the radio, not in person. That's a whole different story. <laughs> Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. What did you think of Nancy Pelosi advising, don't tell him, but advising uh, Joe Biden not to do a uh, debate? If what she says is true and, and, and Donald Trump is nothing but lies, then, then they should be licking their chops to debate <laughs> him because it'll be, it'll be gravy. I did hear Joe Biden uh, reacting to that audio saying, I'm going to be fact-checking from the debate stage. He's going to be doing it on the spot. Because I would be impressed if he could work his his phone to do that. <laughs> you know, which which brings me to another thought. I actually was uh, somebody advised me to watch the video of him calling Kamala Harris to ask her if she would run with him. 
and he's watching a video screen. He's got a script in front of him of what he's going to say to her, and he's holding a phone like it's a hot potato, like he's never held a cell phone before in his life. It was actually pretty comical. But, Brian, I do want to ask you, uh, you've had a little flavor, a little taste of the DNC, and you've had a little flavor of the RNC. What's your takeaway from, from both, uh, both events? It seems very, very one-sided. You know, the the Democrats seem to be nothing but doom and gloom. Oh, my God, this country is horrible, and look at what's happening. Everything's Donald Trump's fault. We would be in a lot worse shape if we didn't have the best economy going into this pandemic. Uh, And then from the other side, I'm seeing some some very uplifting stuff from, from a few, which I think is wonderful. And then they see the whole, well, if if Biden gets in, it's going to be doom and gloom again. So I don't know that I can argue that. (laughs) My my view of the the clips that I saw of the DNC, now I didn't watch entirety of uh, either one of them, but I watched a lot of video from both. And the DNC... A lot of Zoom calls, right? There was even a, a, a flash on the screen of, you know, 25 different members of the uh, Democratic Party. And actually, there were some duplicates. They were Some videos were duplicate of another video on the same screen. You know, Those weren't cardboard cutouts. No, they? no, no, no. Think Brady Bunch, and there's, you know, three Cindy's on there or, you know, on the, on the, on the opening <laughs> sequence. Because I don't know if they had enough people to fill up the thing. So I will tell you this, though. The first few minutes of the RNC... I'm watching as the people are approaching the podium that are speaking to America and their stories, whether it's the lobster guy, the uh, governor from Iowa, very impressive, um, all these great stories, the camera angles and the smoothness of it. The Democrats used Zoom calls, and as soon as I saw the RNC, I knew that producers from, let's say, the Mark Burnett uh, uh, Apprentice crew was part of it, and and I searched it, and sure enough, they were part of it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There was two of them on board. Wow. So production well, I, values I, I, alone. I will tell you that actually talking in front of humans, I, I think, has a whole different impact. Right. Uh, so that's a big factor. And then most of them, from what I could see, were doing it outside, which I think is wonderful. And the message, I think, was certainly more uplifting. I, you know, Really, if you think about it, where we're at today, if you look at the stock market, uh, I got to tell you, I've been busier today than I have been in a long time business-wise. Right. Um, and, and I don't think that that happens if we, if we didn't start out in such a good place. And I don't, you know, I'm very, very concerned about what's going to happen after November. Of course we Uh, all are. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. This happened to every election. The major takeaway I think you said is, uh, you know, the doom and gloom from the democratic side and, you know, uplifting rah, rah, sis, boom, bah from the uh, Republican side. It's just a different tone, you know, just a different tone. So we, we will see in November. Um, but Brian, oh, yeah. I just wanted to check in with you. I appreciate the time. It I is, look forward to it. All right, buddy. It is the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. Have a great rest of your weekend. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.